Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Let me read a key text to you, John chapter 7. Very familiar if you've been around church. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. There's probably some people that have walked in today, you're thirsty. You didn't know you were thirsty, but you got in the room today and you're thinking, you know what? Something feels different about this place. There's something refreshing in this place. Well, it's the presence of God. It's not the lights. It's not the screen. It's not, although those things help the atmosphere and open you up to encounter God, it breaks some walls down. It's not those. It's the presence of God drawing you. We've been learning about the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that draws you into Jesus, a relationship with him. You're feeling the Holy Spirit. And he says, anyone that's thirsty, come to me. Anyone that believes in me may come and drink. Man, I hope you would just drink today. You drink of the love of God. I know that sounds a little weird. (laughs) But the Bible says, anyone that's just thirsty, come unto me. Drink from me. In other words, experience me. For the scriptures declares rivers, rivers. I love the picture here. Rivers, fresh water. Rivers of living water, not stale, not dead, but living. Living water will flow from your heart. I want you to know Jesus is saying, come to me today. If you come to me, you drink of me, I'll put some rivers of living water in you. It'll flow from your heart. I love that picture. He goes on to say this. And when he said living water, see some of us glaze over this part, but I think it's one of the sweetest scriptures or passages of scriptures in all of the Bible when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He said, when he said these things, living water, He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Him. See, the Spirit had not come yet because Jesus had not went. And once He went, He said, wait, and I'll send the Spirit. And the Spirit would be the living water flowing, as one one translation says, from your innermost being. Jesus has got a river for you today that wants to flow from your innermost being. And my prayer is today that you'd let the river flow, that you'd experience him in a fresh way. And the river of God, the river of the Holy Spirit would be given to you, activated in your life and be overflowing. It makes all the difference in the world. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you rivers of living water can flow. So I pray today in the name of Jesus, let the rivers flow. God, you put a river inside of everyone that believes in you. And so today, may it flow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you haven't been here the last uh, couple weeks, we've been in a series called Awaken. And this series has been on the Holy Spirit. And so the first week, we answered the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And so that was week number one, or who is the Holy Spirit, rather. And then in week number two, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so those were two really big topics that there can be a lot of confusion around unless you dig in. So I want to I wanna just implore you guys, if you haven't been here, maybe it's your first time here, or you missed a couple weeks, to go back to the podcast and make, make sure you catch the context of which those two things were talked about because they're really important. And I think they're really foundational in your life for you to understand who the Holy Spirit is, but also for you to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked in week number two about three different baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms, that Jesus comes in you or at salvation, and if you remember this, and we said this, in salvation, he comes in you. So when you receive Jesus, you receive all of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you when you receive him. And so we said this, that before salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us, okay? The Holy Spirit is the one that draws us into Jesus, and then at salvation, he lives 
in you, the Holy Spirit. You are the temple, right, of the Holy Spirit, and you get to receive him. Then we talked about this third baptism that we see all throughout scripture, this spirit baptism, three baptisms. We said you're baptized into Jesus. Then there's water baptism. It's an act of obedience to publicly declare to the whole world, I have decided to follow Jesus. Who wanted to sing that with me just now? Nobody. It's only me that thinks those random things, but they've told me after two weeks ago, I cannot sing anymore. Um, water baptism. And then the third baptism is where the Spirit comes upon you. In Luke 24, he said, hey, I need you to go, and I need you to wait, though, before you go. So Matthew 28, we talked about the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world, preach and teach and baptize them in the name of Jesus. But he said, before you do that, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, he said, I need you to wait. Wait for what? Wait until the Spirit comes and clothes you with power, immersion, to be covered, close you with power. And then Acts number one, eight, or chapter one, verse number eight, they waited. They were waiting, and guess what? Power was clothed on them. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive this power, dunamis power, this power that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where he comes upon you, and you can release him. And so week number one, who is the Holy Spirit? We talked about how the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a thing. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And so we, it's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures. No, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so at salvation, he lives in you. You receive him at water baptism. You're buried with him, the Bible says. At spirit baptism, he clothes you. He comes upon you. Another way to say it is this. At salvation, the Spirit comes in like a flood. I mean, it just floods your heart. You get all of the Spirit. At Spirit baptisms, the waters that reside, though, inside of you, okay, or within you, they flood outwardly and rest upon you. So if you think in the terms of a river, we just said at salvation, comes in like a flood. At spirit baptism, it, the, the, the waters that are already in you, you don't get more of Jesus. You got all of him when you said yes to him. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You got all of it. But what's happening at spirit baptism is you are letting what's inside of you flow out of you, clothe you, immerse you, baptize you. And so that's Luke 24, that's Acts 1-8, that's what we've been talking about. And then last week, Jennifer bought an incredible message uh, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so week number one, who is Jesus? Week number two, the baptism. And then week number three, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Jennifer said this last week, that God gives each of us spiritual gifts. And his gifts are for who? They're for others, and so I hope last week, as you went home, you guys took uh, the spiritual gifts assessment. Anybody, I, I always, I shouldn't do this, raise, raise hands, because it can make us look bad, okay? But did anybody, if nobody does it, but did at least one person last week take a spiritual gifts test at home? Awesome, several of you, more than one. Thank you, guys. Um, but, but I hope you guys took those assessments. If you didn't, go pick it up off your floorboard. We did that, not, as, you, there's no grade, okay? I mean, it's fine. It's just to help you. It's just to encourage you to know who God's wired you to be. All of us should know that when we came to Jesus, okay, and the Holy Spirit rested upon us, that he gave you gifts. He's, he's got ways for you to impact the world. And so he gave each of us spiritual gifts, and they were for other people. And so today I want to end the series uh, talking about this, the language of the Holy Spirit, the language of the Holy Spirit. Another uh, word that people might use is a prayer language. And I know this is one of the most um, misrepresented, <laughs> mistaught, not taught at all um, ideas that we find in scripture. And so today I just wanna demystify it. I wanna demystify what a prayer language is. I wanna demystify <laughs> Um, the fear on it, the, the, if you don't, you're less than, all that stuff. And I just want to talk to you from the Bible. The Bible says faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. And so I just wanna give you scripture because you can't throw it away. It's all throughout scripture and it's all throughout the New Testament. In fact, we've been looking at these three baptisms two weeks ago. You see those three things happening all throughout the book of Acts when the church is established. And then you see Paul teaching the church how to operate in it all throughout the epistles. And so it's really important and it's something that is for every believer that we should understand. But because I think there's been a lack of teaching, there's been a lack of understanding, we haven't, as, as Paul told Timothy, rightly divided the word of truth, sometimes it can be really confusing. It can be um, you know, something that people wield as a, you know, as a weapon for others and make, you know, I'm spiritual and you're not kind of thing. And so that's never been what it's intended to be. And so today I just want to talk about it because I want our church to know what it means. I want us to know if I were to talk about the Holy Spirit and leave this part out, um, I would only be giving you 75% of it. And so I want to give you the other 25%. That is the one gift that God left for you. So we said last week that Jesus gives you spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts for others. But God loves us so much that he didn't just want to give us gifts for others, but he did want to leave something for ourselves. He did want to give something for us. And so the prayer language is the gift that God has given everybody that is for us. What is prayer language? What's simply this, it's the only spiritual gift that's meant for self edification. So, so the Holy Spirit gives us all these gifts to build up other people, to build up the body, but in his great love for us, he said, there is something that I want to give you that'll build you up. Isn't it great that God doesn't just use us and leave us hanging? That God would give us something to help accomplish the mission. That God would give us something that would allow us to stay full and stay built up and stay, you know, close to him. And so that's what prayer language is. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this. For anyone that speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but what? Speaks to God. Speaks to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And so prayer language is a language unto God, to God. A language unto God, to God. In verse number two, he says this, he goes on. Says, and anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Edifies themselves. And so when you speak in tongues, it's, it's to edify yourself. I love what the NLT says. The NLT says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, let me just say this on the onset, okay? If, if you're here today and this is your first time in church, I know this can, can, can be a little awkward. You might think, well, I thought that was just a Pentecostal thing. I guess that's what this church is. It's not just a Pentecostal thing, it's a Bible thing. And so if I could men in black all of you right now, I would. I would just like men in black you and say, right now, no matter what you've seen, experienced, all the weird things on TV, all the horrible Facebook and Google articles you've read about this, forget it all. So I hope you just receive from that place today. So let me give you some understanding. You know, the Bible speaks, especially Paul, all throughout the book of Corinthians about tongues. But you, you really gotta understand some context when, when, you, when you hear what he's saying because he's just not speaking of one tongue. He's actually speaking of several types of tongue. The first tongue that we see throughout scripture is, is the proof tongue. And scripture doesn't you know, necessarily say it like this. I've tried to put some words to help with some understanding. The proof tongue, if you wanna be real just uh, black and white with it, it would be the, the foreign language tongue. Acts chapter two, okay? Acts chapter two says this, when they heard this sound, so all the believers had been gathering at Pentecost, 
They had all been waiting. Remember, Jesus said, hey, I need you to wait until you're clothed with power. And at the beginning of Acts chapter two, we see the spirit of God blowing in like a mighty rushing wind is set upon each of them and cloven tongues like as a fire set on them. And it says that they all begin to speak with, a, with an unknown tongue. And in verse number six, it says, when they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment. In fact, some of them were like, are these guys drunk? That's what I would think if I, you know, are these guys drunk? They all came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. And so the first type of tongue that we see is this, this tongue on the day of Pentecost where all the believers on Pentecost gathered together and the Holy Spirit moved and they spoke in an actual language. It was a known language. Um, and... And, and, and there's so many ways that you can, you can slice this and dice this. You might say, well, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't speak because it says that they, they heard. Because each one of them heard their own language. And so you can look at it two ways. You can say, okay, supernaturally what happened here is, is, you know, they were just speaking in their regular tongue, as some might say. They were just speaking English. And the supernatural thing is that, that God changed the hearing of people. And they heard. So I spoke English, but you heard me in Spanish. So you can look at it that way. Or the other way you could look at it is they spoke in a natural language, which would be the most, what appears to be very black and white, and those heard in their own language. Now, why did this happen? Well, he said, wait for me. I'm gonna clothe you with power. I'm gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what's taking place here. But in this case, God is putting tongues on people to start and build the church. Because he would release people, 3,000 people would be saved here, and then this would be the thing that released the church to go into all the world. It would be the thing that people heard it and thought, this is crazy, there must be a God. This is crazy, it must be true, because that person is not French, and I heard him speaking in French, okay? Or that person is not Chinese, but it sounded that way. Um, it would be like right now, if I came to you and I just started speaking fluent Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, you would think, what in the world? That must be God because he does not speak that way. And so either God empowered them to speak that way or God empowered the hearer. Either way, it was very miraculous. And so you see this in scripture. You see this, what, what very much appears to be a foreign language, natural tongue. And then the second type of tongue that you see in scripture that you see most people talk about when it comes to tongues is the prophetic tongue. The prophetic tongue. It, or, or, or maybe a more basic way to say it would be the public tongue. So there's the, the foreign language and then here's a public one. Paul talks about it, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or revelation, a tongue, an interpretation, Okay, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And so Paul is talking about this prophetic or public tongue that comes uh, with, with, with interpretation. To, to what? Build up the, the church. So he's talking about a tongue here that says, when you speak in this tongue, it's a tongue meant to build up the church. He goes on in verse number 27 to say this, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak. In other words, there's not all this disorder. There's not all this chaos. It's very orderly. And, and Paul is actually giving instructions for how it should happen here. Should be done orderly. Two or three at most should speak at one time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church. You've got to catch some of the subtleties here, or Paul's going to look like a very schizophrenic writer because he says one thing in 12 and one thing in 13 and one thing in 14. You're like, I don't understand it. It's also why you can't take one passage on speaking in tongues and make a whole doctrine of it. 
But you've got to rightly divide the word of truth and you've got to understand what it's saying in each occurrence. And you've got to look at the bigger picture of scripture. And so it says, one should keep quiet in the church and speak to who? Himself and God. So it doesn't say you shouldn't speak in tongues. It says if you're gonna speak up in the church to edify the church, there should be an interpreter. If not, you should just speak it quietly to yourself. Just edify yourself. Is that helping some? And so what is it? Well, there's a natural language tongue, then there's a public tongue in church that is meant to be prophetically interpreted. What's the purpose? Well, that all things would be done to edify the church. So, let's say this happens in here today. There's a calm, you know, it's done in orderly. Somebody stands up, speaks in a tongue, and then nobody interprets it. Was that not of God? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> because if nobody interprets it, it might not be the, the speaker that's to blame. Maybe it's actually the interpreter. Maybe the interpreter heard it, felt like they needed to do it. God gave them that gift. So I spoke in a tongue. God gave Robert the gift to interpret it. But maybe out of fear, he sat there. And so it's not always the speaker to blame. And so you can't go to a church, you see this happen. You're like, that church is so out of order. It's so disordered. I can't believe that happened. Somebody spoke in tongues. There was no interpreter. Well, it's the speaker and the interpreter that are playing a part in this working together. And so you have to understand that. You have to see this or, or you won't understand the bigger picture. And so it's not just one person uh, in the blame here. And so that's, that's another one. We see, we see the, the, the language. Then we see this public tongue with interpretation. And then you see a personal tongue in scripture or a prayer language. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14 too? He said this. He said, for anyone that speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. Well, just a minute ago, you said if you speak in tongue, you speak to people. And you edify the church. He's talking about a different type of tongue here. Does not speak to people, but speaks to God. So there's another tongue, a prayer language that is speaking to God. Indeed, no one understands this. It's a, it's a heavenly language that, that many say it's the language, I think it's Zephaniah that said would be restored to you when God confused all the languages at the Tower of Babel. There was a heavenly language, everyone spoke, it was confused, and then through the Holy Spirit restoring it. Um, I don't know, that's just one theory that I see throughout scriptures, but either way, there is a personal tongue that just speaks to God that no one understands, that utters mysteries by the Spirit. Utters mysteries by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue, what? We just said this a minute ago, edifies themselves. The NLT said, builds themselves up. This is why a personal tongue and a prayer language is so valuable to you as a believer. Because Jesus, you know, and just all of, all of, you know, his goodness and the Holy Spirit's goodness in your life, giving you gifts to build up the church, said, I also want to give something to build you up. I want to give something to edify you, to make sure that you're full, to make sure that you're built up, to make sure that you're not just, you know, feeling like that you, you've, you've got to have it all figured out. I mean, guys, there are, there are moments in my life where I am so down, I am so out, I've been so attacked by the enemy that I just don't even know how to pray. I don't even have the words, my natural words to know what to say. And I need to be built up. And the Bible says when I speak in this type of tongue, it edifies myself. That there is, a, there is a built in mechanism where the Spirit intercedes on my behalf and prays prayers that I know nothing about. That is the Spirit, the Bible says, Himself praying to God. And so, three types of tongues we see. First off, there are obvious distinctions in, in this last one. No man understands it, so it's not an earthly language. This is not what was in Acts chapter 2. 
and it edifies yourself. So it's not the public expression that Paul talks about because it's for self-edification. So you have to see that. Can you, can you see if you just take one scripture here, Paul sounds like he's crazy. Like you say it one time this way, another time this way, just help me to understand it all. And so that's why you have to look at the whole picture. And look, there's probably more of it that I'm not even giving you today that I wanna encourage you not to take my word for. You should never just hear a preacher say something and go home and say, That's, that must be Bible gospel truth. We get it wrong sometimes. Is that okay to say? Go read your Bible for yourself. See if it's there. Now, don't Google it. Seriously. I said that a couple weeks ago. Don't look on Facebook for your theology. Open it up and seek the Holy Spirit and say, reveal to me. Because if not, we'll take somebody else's revelation that's never been in church, not going to church, got mad at the church, whatever, and we'll let them establish our theology. Why would you want somebody that is not planted in the house of God to establish your theology for you? But we take everyone's theology from Facebook like it's gospel truth. Somebody, you ever seen the trolls on Facebook? Somebody says something and then somebody not in the church disagrees with it. Why would I, I I've been, okay, like that's been me before where I've gotten upset because somebody's trolled me and, you know, said, well, that ain't true. And I thought, is it? I don't know. I mean, oh my gosh, like I'm so horrible. I thought, why am I taking advice and letting somebody speak death over me for somebody not even planted that doesn't have a relationship with God that I know of, that may not be in their word. And so I'm just saying, you've got to dig these things out for yourself. And so if there's any point in this sermon today, you're like, mm, I don't know, dig it out. Go look it up. Look it up in the Greek. Look it up in the Hebrew. Go to interlinear Bible. Look up original languages. But don't just stop. I mean, I've spent a month, two months almost studying this. I have spent probably 300 hours to bring this message, but that doesn't mean I've got it all right. But go give yourself some study time. Give yourself more than an hour though, okay? Actually study it. I'm just throwing that out as a caveat today. And so the question of the day is this. If here's the different types of tongues, what is a prayer language? Beyond just being built up, what is it? How do you operate in it? All that good stuff. Well, number one is this. It's intended for prayer. A prayer language is intended for prayer. You're not gonna see it in the scriptures called a prayer language, but it's what the church has adopted for words around this idea of speaking in tongues that edifies yourself, a prayer language. You might be thinking, well, why are you teaching it? That's so heretical. Well, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible either, but we still believe in that, right? And so it's just language. It's just words that we're putting around a spiritual idea. You can call it a tongue. You can call it speaking in tongues, a prayer language, being filled. I don't care. It's the concept we're trying to figure out here. And so it is intended for prayer though. Jude 20, because it's only one book. If you're like, where's the chapter? That's a mistake. It says, but, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so prayer or a prayer language is intended for prayer. Building yourself up, praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so number one, it's intended for prayer. Number two, it builds you up. We've already quoted this 14 times. First Corinthians four, it says this, what? One who speaks in an unknown tongue, what do they do? They're strengthened personally. They build themselves up. They edify themselves. Number three, you have to understand this when it comes to a prayer language. It's the Holy Spirit praying. It's the Holy Spirit praying. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says this. For if I pray in a tongue, this is prayer language, what does it say? My spirit prays. My spirit prays. But my mind is what? Unfruitful. So in many ways, it bypasses the mind. So here's something you should know about you to understand this. All of us, there's three parts of us. Body, soul, and spirit. You have an earth suit. Never called it that, but that's what it is. Because it's going away when you go to heaven. 
You got an earth suit. It's, it's the, the physical body. It's the thing that you have to give over to Jesus when you release the physical part of your tongue, but there is the body part of you. Then there's a soul. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's a spirit. It's, it's your innermost being. It's the thing in which rivers of living water flow from. Body, soul, spirit. You can look at 1 Timothy and you can see God, uh, see it described that way. That we each are made with three distinct parts. We are not a trinity, but we do have three parts. Body, soul, spirit. And so what's happening here is if you pray in tongue, what part of you is praying? The spirit. That's why your mind is unfruitful because you're not praying from your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's actually why it's so hard for many to activate this in their life, to activate this prayer language because all of you have it. It's just whether or not you choose to activate it and you're not less than if you don't. Because, because we, have to, we have to bypass our mind because our mind wants to say, this is crazy, this is weird, what will happen? And so Paul is saying, when, when you pray in a tongue, your spirit is praying, not your mind. You're not gonna understand. Your mind is unfruitful. In Romans 8, 26, it says this, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, when we do not know what to pray, what? The spirit himself can intercede for us through wordless groans. I don't think this is necessarily speaking of tongues. Some, some might. But this is showing us the, the connection between the Spirit praying for us and the Spirit interceding on our behalf. And so when you put that into context of what everything is saying, you, you, you're, you're seeing here this understanding of with my mind I pray in my own understanding. And with my spirit, I pray in a heavenly language that is not understood. The spirit, when he's praying, what is he doing? It's interceding. It's praying prayers for me that I don't even know I need to pray. We're praying from the spirit. You might say it this way. When you pray in your prayer language, he is praying for us, the Holy Spirit, through us. When you activate this in, in your life, he's praying for you, through you. The Holy Spirit is saying, I, I, will, I, will, I will pray for you myself if you give me your mouth. If you put, that is why spiritual order, it's so necessary to, to, to understand that while we're body, soul, and spirit, we should be living in a way where we're spirit first. If you go through our freedom curriculum, we talk about this. Spirit, soul, body. That we're gonna let the spirit rule us and it is the thing that will affect our mind, our will, and our emotions. It should be the thing. We should renew our mind through the spirit, okay? So we don't, we don't, we don't start conforming to the patterns of this world. Our body should be last. Those things that want to control us, if it feels good, do it. Well, we got to learn to filter those things through, the, through some good thinking, one, but you'll never do that if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you don't let the Holy Spirit start controlling your thinking, you're not going to let your thinking control your body, and you're going to say, if it feels good, do it. If it feels right, do it. If I want to do it, it's okay. And so we'll just be led by feelings. We'll be led by desires. We'll be led through all these things. And so we've got to submit our mind, our will, our emotions, our body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you got to submit it to the Holy Spirit and say, my body's yours. It's not my own. My mind is yours. It's not my own. So there's so much theology wrapped up in understanding this. And so the Holy Spirit's saying, I'll pray for you myself if you submit to me. Honestly, guys, it really takes a lot of faith to, 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 to pray in tongues. It takes a lot of faith to, to begin to activate this, this in your life. But you know what? That is the thing it takes to come to Jesus, faith. It is the thing that you should grow in, faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It comes to faith, or when you come to Jesus, it takes faith. As you grow in Jesus, your faith should grow. And so this is something that as you mature as a believer, 
your faith should grow and this should be something that you have the faith to activate in your life. It's the language of the spirit. And the language of the spirit really, I believe, is a, is a language of, of faith and surrender. Where you just surrender and say, you know what? I'll pray with my understanding. But, but when I pray with my understanding, I attach words and meaning of my understanding to it. But when I pray in tongues, I'm, I'm leaving it up to you, Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm surrendering to you. I'm offering up, you know, surrendered, honestly, syllables and, and sounds and faith, just trusting you'll attach meaning to it. Maybe you've been around church and you've heard somebody speak in a prayer language, you were in a setting, and you were like, it sounded like they were a babbling baby. Well, I think that's not, that, that's not yours to judge because they sounded a certain way that maybe it wasn't true. It's the Holy Spirit's job to decipher all that. And let me just say this. When it comes to, let's just think about it as a, if this is a prayer language, wouldn't it make sense the more you let it flow, the more it will grow? When my little boy started talking, did it sound like a baby? Nobody looked at him and said, what are you doing? That sounds stupid. You sound like a baby. Now, I'm not saying 100% of the time, but I've, I've seen people laid hands on them, filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in tongues, and there's just a fluency that comes out of them that's just like, only God, in, in whatever way, they just, their faith activated, it bypassed, and they just let it flow. But more often than not, it sounds like babbling babies. Like, what are you doing? But it's the language of the spirit that as you let it flow, it will grow in your life. And it'll become something that, honestly, when you're filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, when you begin to, to activate a prayer language in your life, many people think you're gonna like go into some sort of trance or God's gonna take over you and you gotta pass out or, or whatever. That's not true either. I could activate it right now because it's a choice. It's a choice. I'm surrendering to God. It's something that he's put in me that I, I activate out of me and I'll pray in my own understanding, but also pray in the spirit. And so when you offer by faith those surrendered sounds and syllables, he can attach the meaning. Now here's the thing, and I want, I want to be so clear with this. I want to make sure, and if you haven't wrote anything down, write this down because I don't want you to go home and say, I say that, didn't say this. I'm going to read it exactly. You can have the Holy Spirit and not pray in tongues. Did you write that down? Okay. You can be saved, write this down, number two, and not pray in tongues. So this isn't a less than. This isn't a have to. This isn't, if you don't, you're not saved. There are some doctrines out there that says, if you don't, you're not. You're not actually saved unless you do. And so neither one of those two things are true. You can be saved without speaking in tongues. You gotta get that. And it's not that you don't, because when did you get the Holy Spirit? At salvation. What did you get? All of it. So you're not getting more of the Holy Spirit. You're releasing more in your own life. It's a river flowing out of you. Gets upon you. You're choosing, you're choosing to baptize yourself, to refresh yourself. That's why Ephesians 5 says, be ye present passive, continually filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not a charismatic thing. It's for every believer. And I would just say this, why would you want any less of what the Holy Spirit offered? Number, uh, I don't know what number this is. Uh, last one, it's necessary for spiritual warfare. Let me show you this. Uh, Ephesians uh, 6, 14 through 15. It says this, it's talking about putting on the armor of God. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Next verse. 
It says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse number 18, and this is the one that we often skip right past. We stop, go back to the, to the last scripture. It's easy to just stop there. Put the belt plate, the shoes, the hand, that's all this, let's go out to battle. But in verse number 18, he continues because it says, and. We don't read the and part. We just stop there. But he says, and, in verse number 18, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. What is praying in the spirit? I just talked about it. Pray in the spirit. It's the same phrase that was used anywhere. This isn't a different, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this mind, be alert and always keep praying. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. And so it's necessary for spiritual warfare. And so what is a prayer language? Well, number one, it's simply intended for prayer. Number two, it builds you up. Number three, it's the Holy Spirit praying, not yourself. Number four, it's necessary for spiritual warfare. Let me say it this way. Everyone that the Spirit baptizes has access to a prayer language. All of you in this room today, you can pray in a prayer language if you choose to. A prayer language, though, isn't a have to. It's a get to. You don't have to. I'm not gonna think you're any less if you don't because your prayer language isn't for me. It's for you. Self-edification. It's to build you up. But if you feel like you're not built up, if you've ever felt there's more, if you've ever felt like I'm just missing something, try it. Try it. It isn't a have to. It's a get to. But wait, didn't Paul say it wasn't for every believer? Isn't that what I heard somebody say once? I thought I saw that on Facebook. I thought I read a scripture like that. It was in 1 Corinthians 12 or something like that, 29 through 30. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Well, I'd have to look at this and I'd have to really break it down because if he's saying here, it's really not for everyone, it's just a gift that some receive. Maybe I can say, well, well he's talking about the, the prophetic tongue there maybe. But if I back up and I said, do all have the gift of healing? Well, not necessarily, but then, in Matthew, Jesus said that we could lay hands on the sick. So we, we actually can activate, we can lay hands on the sick. And so this can be very confusing. So you have to understand that Paul is just, he, he's talking about spiritual gifts and the order or, or in the respect of, of, of church edification here of edifying the body because that's all of chapter 12. It's about these, these gifts in the church are for others. It's for the edification of the, the church body. And so he's not saying that you can't. He's just saying that there are some that's, that's, that's for edification. Okay, well, wait, didn't, didn't Paul discourage people from praying in tongues? I read that somewhere, 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 2 says this, do we have it on the screen? It says, follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And so we should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. We've been talking about that. It edifies himself. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Next verse. It says, but one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. What does it mean to speak prophetically, to build up? Well, we strengthen, we encourage, we comfort. It says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, 
but one who prophesies edifies the church. So again, what you have to understand here is what what Paul is trying to build into place here. He's trying to to build into place order where, where the gifts have kind of flown out of order. And he's just saying, there, there, there are some things that we should value when it comes to gathering together as a body. And when you speak in a tongue, it doesn't build the church up. And so if nobody's interpreting, don't do it. Because he just talked about that a minute ago. Because it's only building you up. And, and, and so, so in the church body here, I just want you to understand how to operate. See, if that wasn't the context, then why would he say this in verse number five? He said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Every one of you. But I'd rather you prophesy because in the church body, that's going to be way more edifying. It's going to be way more edifying because it's going to build the church up and strengthen them and comfort them. And so in a church setting, I just would rather you prophesy to the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, even though I want you all to do it. Why? Because it's just building you up. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless somebody interprets in that setting so that the church may be edified. Even Paul in verse number 18, he says this after he said, I would like everyone to do it. He said, I thank God that I do it. I thank God that I speak in tongues. He even said more than you all. Don't you gotta love Paul? more than you all on my activate this because I've been shipwrecked. I've been beat. I got to have some edification in my life because I've been spreading this gospel. I've been trying to go to all the world and it's been pretty tough. And so thank you, God, for this gift that would build me up personally and edify me. That's why I said, I think I, or I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you because he probably had a way, 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 lot more beat downs than some of us when it comes to the gospel. But in church, I'd rather you speak five intelligible words to instruct than 10,000 in a words of tongue. Why? Because if I got up here right now and I just started speaking in tongues, which I could activate it really right now, would that build any of you up? Would you get it? No. Would it be a good message? Probably not. I'd rather you, instead of getting up here and just letting it fly, why don't you speak some intelligible words? Why don't you study? Why don't you bring a message for God's people? Okay, last one. Didn't Paul say we were supposed to pray in tongues privately? I've heard other churches, this is not on the screen, I've heard other churches where they prayed in tongues like in the service. Is that wrong? 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28 said, if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself. And so it doesn't say don't pray in tongues. It just says, speak to yourself. Thank God for a mask. I can pray in tongues all all day long in service. Y'all don't even know I'm doing it. I'm speaking to myself, speaking to God, speaking to God. Remember, Paul is talking about the public expression of the gift. He's regulating the prophetic expression of the gift of tongues in a church. There's many examples in scripture. Acts chapter two, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. You might say, well, they heard in their own language, so God did supernatural. It's kind of like an interpreter, so don't really give me that verse. When Acts 19, we've been reading it for weeks. Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. No mention of an interpreter there. Group setting. So it can't just be a private thing. So it's not wrong if you and I were to be in here and maybe the spirit would be flowing and you were to speak in your prayer language and build yourself up to maybe activate faith in the room, activate something in your heart, strengthen you in the house of God in his presence. So it wouldn't be wrong, but it does need to be in order. If someone were to stand up right now and let it fly and cause a distraction, but no one would interpret it, then yeah, that would be wrong. I would, I would, I would seek to shut that down and 
you know, probably ask that person, hey, can we not do that anymore? Can, can we just do things in order? And so this isn't a church that we're just, you know, we're not swinging from the chandeliers in here. There's not any chandeliers. I wish there was sometimes. I'd probably swing on them, but we're not a bunch of crazies. But we are full of faith and want everything the word of God says. And there will be moments where, yeah. There might be a moment where I say, come on, if you have a prayer language, why don't you just activate that in your life? And maybe people around you speaking in an unknown tongue, building, I'm trying to stir faith in the room. I'm trying to build people up in the room, okay? And so that wouldn't be a weird thing. I'm just, it's, it's a moment where we're activating faith in the room. We're allowing a moment for you to be built up. And so those are just some misconceptions, some things. So let me read two last scriptures to you. Then we'll wrap it up and I wanna pray over you. We've been reading this. It says, I think, uh, I'm sorry, uh, go to uh, Acts 19, three through five. So Paul asks then, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Next verse. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Spoke in tongues, they glorified, they prophesied God when the hands were laid on them. Do you have to have hands laid on you to speak in tongues? No, this is just one way we see it happen in scripture. And here in a minute, we're gonna go into just a little bit of worship. We got a song or two at the end because cut two songs off the front. Jennifer and I are going to be here at the front of the church and it's not going to get weird or anything like that. But we just want to lay hands on you. If this is a gift that you'd like to activate in your own life, we want to lay, I actually asked the prayer team if we could do it personally because I just want to control the order and I got faith to believe it. And so we want to lay hands on you. We want to pray for you and just say that God would fill you full of everything that he has for you. And if you don't come up, that's okay. This is, again, not something that makes someone better. In fact, a prayer language doesn't make you better than anyone. Prayer language just makes you better than me or, or makes you better than you. So it doesn't make you better than me. It just makes you better than you. Listen, I got so many notes scrambling around in my head. You get, thank Thank you, Lord, for the TV. Just read that. We all take this stuff wherever. And let me just give you two things here real quick. So Dustin's gonna sing a song here in a minute. I wanna ask you guys to do two things. Number one is just um, prepare your heart. We just take a moment to worship and you would prepare your heart in a way where you'd say, God, if there's more for me, I want it all. There's more for me. I want it all. If there's something that you got that can strengthen me and build me up, I receive it. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.